0: Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
2: Hello and welcome to chest the flagship podcast of putting windows all around you and then walking around them and looking at them. It being in the future.
3: The future.
2: Yeah.
1: That's iTunes' most specific genre. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: it's VertiCast. I'm your friend, Eli. David Pierce is here. Hi. Alex Trans is here.
3: Hi. I'm your friend that really misses Microsoft's Windows.
2: <laughs> the HoloLens people are so mad at me. <laughs> They're like, how did you do this whole review and you never mentioned HoloLens? the thing that invented spatial compute. And it's true. Microsoft invented a number of these words with no regard for what they meant. (laughs) They're like, HoloLens is mixed reality. That means augmented reality. This VR headset in Windows, that's Windows mixed reality. Like just anything, all the words meant the same thing. And I have done some very cool HoloLens demos in my life. I put on a HoloLens. Uh, and I changed a spark plug on an ATV in the basement of a Microsoft building, and it it guided me. Yeah, it put arrows, uh, like, go to this drawer, open this drawer. I don't know if any of that was real or if it was totally state. Whatever. It was awesome. I was like, this is definitely the future of changing spark plugs in an ATV. As long as the room is set out exactly right and the computer knows where all the parts are, like this is how we should change spark plugs. Which, by the way, if you set up the room exactly right, and you know where all the parts are, you no longer need the computer to change the spark <laughs> Because plug. you put
1: the spark plugs where they go. <laughs> it's, but you whatever. You outsource that. Uh,
2: but they were like, imagine a, a mechanic on an airline. And now I'm like, man, I wish Boeing had bought more HoloLenses. They're also in Seattle. Just putting that out there, Microsoft. Mm-hmm. The problem with the, the HoloLens. Oh, and I did a very cool demo. Microsoft, one of the few companies in VR that has ever solved co-location, mm-hmm. So I wore a HoloLens, and someone else was wearing a HoloLens, and we were looking at the same thing at the same time, and like I would interact with, it was like a model of something, and I would interact with it, and they would spin it the other way, and no one else, as far as I can know, very, no other company is on a, a commercial scale. I don't think the Quest headsets can do that, the Vision Pro can't do it.
3: Okay, that's cool then.
2: Right, so I, I just all credit to HoloLens. The HoloLens is a gigantic failure, which is why I didn't mention it. It failed as a product. The person who was leading the project got forced out of Microsoft for sexual misconduct allegations. They did a bunch of layoffs on the team. They've reorganized their hardware portfolio, and they say, quote, and this is a real quote, we'll make a next version of the HoloLens when the time is right.
3: Oh, there you go. Is it, is it right?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> You know what they're going to do? <laughs> they're going to make a bunch of AI stuff and print money <laughs> instead of being like, you can change a spark plug with our glasses
3: on. Uh, I'll, I'll never be able to change a star- spark plug, though. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so shout out to the HoloLens people. I HoloLens just... also objectively the coolest product name in this entire category. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. 100%. No question. HoloLens kicks ass. It's
2: good. It's a good name. And yeah. the first one was cool, and the second one was even better from what I'm told. I never tried the second one. And, you know, if... If you have the perfect spark plug setup, <laughs> are you that thing kicked ass?
3: Are you saying you you don't fondly remember the Acer AH One Zero One DBEY Windows Mixed Reality headset? That had a good name. That's Say a good it again. ring. Say it yeah. it slower, <laughs> slower. <laughs> but, but Addy
2: and I just decided what the words would mean in our review we made a sidebar we're like this is what mixed reality means and this is augmented reality means and then Addy was like you know this is a flip of how microsoft wanted it and it's like i don't care (laughs) (laughs) like i'm putting my foot in the ground and this is what we're saying uh anyhow so that that, shout out to the hololens people i feel you it was a cool demo did any magically people get at you the magically people were just happy to be mentioned (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like your that's product it. is a true AR product, optical AR that has fatal compromises in it and no <laughs> one should buy it. They're like, oh my God, finally, the validation we deserve. <laughs> some people, I will say two things. Uh, some people, I basically called the top on two technologies in this review. I said, camera-based pass-through has, is, might be a dead end. And I, I feel that it might be a dead end. And I said, hand and eye tracking, It there's a part of it that's valuable for some things but it's also
1: a dead end it cannot be the primary input and i heard from people who've been working on this who've shit wait sorry real quick we should just say by the way this is your review of the vision pro which went up this week we talked a bunch about it on tuesday yeah, but yeah. if if you if you haven't been living inside of Neil's brain for the last week or so he's talking about the apple vision pro <laughs> which we just got to so fast
2: <laughs> i was going to say let's start but no this is right i woke up i use this app called sleep cycle on my uh, to my, my alarm clock and yesterday I woke up and it basically congratulated me on finally getting some sleep. Oh, boy. It was like, good job. You've got 400% more sleep last night than, than you've been getting. And I was like, this is a disaster. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm wired. Now I've like got too much sleep, but the amount of caffeine. I've basically only eaten Cinnamon Toast Crunch this week. It's bad. The all of it's bad. The inside
3: of your mouth after that much Cinnamon Toast Crunch.
2: Well, I didn't eat it all in one go.
3: Yeah, but it's It's cumulative.
2: Yeah, it, it's cumulative in that each bowl is 25 grams of sugar. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll miss here. Yeah, I'm just like, why the crash is going to be bad? We're not buying this anymore. But that's I would like get home and be like, what can I eat? You know, like fast cereal, <laughs> cereal. And I was like, this cereal. Anyhow, yes, Vision Pro review. Uh, I heard I, the 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 two things in my review that I they were like the big ideas that I didn't overly highlight, is the Vision Pro is the best version of a device with camera-based pass-through and -and hand-and-eye tracking they've ever seen? And I was like, it might have inadvertently proved that these are dead ends. And I have heard from people who have shipped millions of devices with camera pass-through and who have invested millions upon billions of dollars into hand-and-eye tracking, and they were like, you have a point about camera pass-through, it's good for what it's good for. And like it's not a dead end if you use it right, but Apple's trying to make it do too much, which I thought was really interesting feedback. Ooh. That's fair,
1: because it is like on the on the Quest Three, it's useful in spots, right? It's like the I'm playing a VR game and I like double tap on the headset and it opens up so I can like see what's around me or whether I just kicked my dog or whatever. But it's not like you don't you don't live in the pass through. And so for that, I think pass through works fine. Yeah. Apple is like default state is pass through, and I think I think that might be where it's pushing too hard.
2: There's a really cool app. Uh, the gen 2 we posted on the site where it's uh, shortcuts. Yeah, and you can put it the shortcuts all around your house So you get all these shortcuts by your TV and all this stuff and that's really cool It's like oh, but to use that you have to word this all the time, right? Mm-mm. So not no longer useful. So it, it this is the argument <clears throat> This is a simulator of what Apple really wants, but they're like look camera through has its uses But if you try to pretend it's AR you're gonna run into the problem. We agree with you there and then the note about eye tracking, and this person has spent a lot of money on eye tracking in their life, um, was you are overloading an input channel by trying to use it for output, which is fascinating. Wait, explain. So your eyes are an input channel. Mm-hmm. So you're used to taking in a lot of information with your eyes or an input channel, and then you overload it by trying to use it as an output channel to control the device.
3: Oh, that's smart.
2: And so the the, the feedback was you you hit on something that this industry has been talking about for a long time.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Which is
2: you can't overload your input channels as output channels, and you will run into this problem with eye tracking because you have to look at what you want to look at, and you have to look at what you want to control instead of what you're looking at. Yeah, because
3: historically, eye tracking was just to like enhance it. So, like if you kind of glanced to one side, the camera would move so you'd see what was ever whatever was over there. Yeah, that's
2: like render. F- that's foveated rendering.
3: Right. Yeah, and it didn't really
2: well. Like but that's to save processor cycles.
3: Right. But no, it, it also made it a smoother experience. It made it like. Less. Oh, I'm just staring at some screen Oh yeah,
2: so it hits a blurry. Yeah, like yeah. it
3: made it a nice experience. And even when you do it just on a regular laptop screen, I did a, I reviewed way too many Toby laptops once <laughs> upon a time. It was really useful because you could just kind of look at things and and it would pop up and make it a little brighter and make it a little easier. But like anytime I would try to like control the computer with it, I was like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. Because I'd like glance at my watch and. My character yeah. just start running around in circles.
2: Yeah, and this is overloading an input channel as output. So you we, when you use it in the way you're describing, yeah. for foveated rendering, for highlights, right, that yeah. make it a little brighter, you're enhancing the input channel. Right. When you use an output channel, you might overload yourself. So this person was like, yeah, in the history of eye tracking, this is a thing that we understand. Uh, and then they said, I had it wrong on hand tracking. Oh. That there's The industry believes in hand tracking. They're going to get it right because it is the most natural way of doing things. And there's a lot of work being done. I keep pointing out the computer is always watching hands. And the vision, regardless of that joke, the Vision Pro does misregister a lot of hand input. Also, cannot differentiate between your hands and someone else's hands.
3: Also, you personally look really goofy doing it in the office. It was so
2: good. Wait, hold on.
1: So if you're just sitting at your desk on the Vision Pro, I can just stick my hands in front of your face and start literally typing on your keyboard?
2: Sure can. (laughs) Or or you can just put your hand in front and click your fingers together and it'll register a click. I'm going to do this to you so much when I see you.
1: I can't wait that, to assuming do Assuming that I'm wearing the headset. Um, what a good prank.
2: It's a good prank. <laughs> you are screw with people. Like the th- when I say the thing is lonely, it does not contemplate anyone else being around you who is right. not on their best behavior, which is all the time. All other people are not on their is best behavior. Is
3: it just assuming that like the pass through will suddenly pop on and you'll see David being like, yoink. I assume that's like, the noise that David's going to make.
1: That's what I do when I type, yeah.
2: The only AR feature is in it. Specifically, it recognizes David Pearson and <laughs> makes that sound. Uh, so, I, anyway, I thought this was all really interesting feedback because people who have been working on this stuff for a long time were like, "We liked your review. Here are the things we think you got right, mm-hmm. right and wrong." And the camera-based pass through as a replacement for true AR feels directionally correct to me. Right, this it, it might be the ceiling for that eye tracking. They're like, "Yeah, you know, people are going to react to it differently. We'll see." This is the first. Big eye tracking at scale that will happen, and then they're like, You're just wrong in hand tracking. So, we'll see. I, uh, the fact that like it just misregisters input to me is again, people are gonna, by the time you're listening to this, people will have them. By the way, I just has already worn a Vision Pro in a Cybertruck
3: just immediately, yes. Like as soon as the embargo lifted, she was walking and out. She's, I truck. mean,
2: she's funny as hell. So like, it I appreciate great. that she did that. Oh, but yeah. like, some other kind of YouTuber, not I Justine, who is wonderful. Some other kind of YouTuber is going to do the actual thing with the Cybertruck and the Vision Pro, and would, the clock is just ticking.
3: Yep. Unsafe. Don't do that.
2: Don't don't do it. They're not going to listen to us. They're doing it for the views, man.
3: Don't do it for the clicks. Do something else cool.
2: Uh, so yoink. we'll see. I'm excited for people to actually get their hands on this outside of just experiencing other people's experiences. Uh, and I'm I'm very curious to see how people react to hand and eye tracking in particular.
1: Yeah, also if you got one, uh as you're hearing this on Friday the 2nd, it's the day this stuff is coming out. If you got one, call us and tell us about it. Uh well th- this will be a super fun thing to do on the hotline for the next few weeks. I just want to hear people's experiences yeah. with the Vision Pro. Tell us what you're doing, tell us what's cool, tell us what sucks. Give us give us your like 60-second review of the Vision Pro literally whenever you want. Call the hotline, send us emails. Yeah. Vergecast at theverge.com.
2: I'm dying to know. You can tell me, tell, them, tell me I'm wrong, whatever you want. I, I'm dying to know how you feel about this product because it is new and that's what's exciting about it, which leads me into the score. So, a lot of people have asked me about the score and I will tell you, and David in particular will tell you, that I drove myself crazy trying to give this thing a score after I'd written the review. Yes. Just Confirmed. Bonkers. Like, because I'm the one who says world of no sevens. And I gave it a seven. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't know World of No Sevens, the thing I say all the time, which is you, seven is just the default score. It, it is milk toast. And so if you say World of No Sevens, it forces you to make a very hard choice between six and eight. And I am the person who says this, and I definitely gave this thing a seven. And I tortured myself over that seven.
1: And you got it wrong.
2: And David thinks I should have given us. You got I, it wrong.
3: I, I tend to agree with – I was genuinely shocked because I, I didn't participate in the review, but, but we, you know, we did the VergeCast. And so I went as soon as it posted, and I click, and I scroll down, and I so saw that rundowns. 7, and I was like, but we – it felt like a 6 in the VergeCast that we recorded. This is interesting.
2: Yeah. And like, I said on the VergeCast, and I have to own this, yeah. inconsistent input system is a full point deduction. And at that moment in time, and I, this is 100% true – The score that was entered into our little score database was a six.
3: Oh. And
2: I said that knowing that I'd already typed the six into that database.
3: What pushed you back up to a seven?
2: I had a conversation with Viren and Becca, in particular Becca, Mm -hmm. our wonderful video directors, who made this whole review with me and used it a lot in the course of that review. And they reminded me that it was really fun.
3: So, th- so it lost a point for inconsistency, gained a point because it's fun as hell.
2: It lost a point for inc- – uh, Viren was we, – we were re- we were like – we were in it. We were like – we opened up our own how we rate page and like read our own definitions of the numbers. <laughs> like you're in an office with people for hours upon hours arguing with the dumbest – like you just like fall down the rabbit hole completely. Um, we discussed bringing back decimals, which we had got rid of a couple of years ago, like the whole thing. Uh, and – Viren's line was, "We need a we need a number that means fantastic but useless," because that he's like, "This
1: is fantastic." I have no idea why I want to use this. What about the number that says it's thirty five hundred dollars? Do you know how many? You want fun? Buy a Nintendo Switch and you'll have thirty two hundred dollars left. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so look,
2: like I say, I was at six for a long time. Yeah, it was a six. I pr- I swear to you, it was a six. And Becky was like, "But you have had f- like." The thing you are doing, the, you are constantly talking about, this thing that you keep coming back to like, I'm lonely in here, is because you're having fun and you want other people to have fun with you, which is not how I feel about the meta quest, which is like, this is fun. Like, ah, I'm swinging a bat around. Like, there's not a point where I'm like, look at this thing that you is wild that I want you to see, like the art gallery of web pages that I made in our cafe. It's like, this is great. Like, nothing else can do that right now. The meta quest can sort of do it. But they're kind of shaped like this is like perfectly locked in place windows and you can just leave the room and come back. That's your point is it was fun. It was a full point deduction for the stuff I complained about and it it earned its way back into the seven zone because it's not an eight.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it was never an eight. It
2: was, there was no point was this thing getting
3: an eight. Did it ever go to five?
2: So I was texting with Dan Seifert. Yes. Wonderful reviews editor, uh, number one Dex fan in the world, Dan Seifert. Traitor. Dan just left The Verge, so he was not part of this review. We wish him well on his new journey in life. It's gonna be really fun for him. Um, but Dan texted me after the review, and was like, seven, huh? And I was like, dude. <laughs> and like literally, people were jumping out of the woodwork to quote Dan at me throughout this process. Mm-hmm. Because Dan's quote is, you never regret giving something a lower score. Ever. Like, if you just instinctively pick the lower score and you won't – it's five years from now, you won't have regretted it. You might be like, ah, I gave that stupid thing an eight. Why did I do that? Yeah. you'll never be like, I judge it too harshly.
1: Like, literally. I'm, like, walking down the street and people are like, you know what Dan would say? (laughs) It's, like, haunting me. And I will say that's not that's not a, like, judgment – decision that's not saying like we reflexively hate products that is like a decade of hard-worn experience yeah Mm -hmm. and this is the mistake that you made nilai is you got sucked in by the thing being fun like that's a stupid reason (laughs) it's just a stupid reason like this is a $3,500 computer you don't judge your macbook on whether it's fun you judge it on whether it does the things it is supposed to do and this fundamentally doesn't it, yeah. There are a lot of things that it is supposed to do that it either doesn't do or doesn't do very well. And it is $3,500. <laughs> like, like, I take
2: the criticism and I, I look, I knew what I was buying. I was buying a bunch of people telling me that I did give it a high score, including David on this very podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, I knew
1: how this Vergecast would start today when I gave it that seven. You did. But wait, I just, I just want to point at the tension of this, which I think is both the tension you felt in reviewing this and the reason we all think the Vision Pro is so interesting is that it is Objectively cool and new and interesting, right? Like the Joanna Stern, a friend of the Wall Street Journal, made a video, and there's a moment in it where she sets two timers and puts them over two different things on her stove, like that kicks ass. <laughs> it's yeah. so small and so silly, but it's so cool, and people really responded to it. That is not a reason to buy a thirty-five hundred dollar product no. or to wear a headset on your face all day. But Which it she is, said, right? But it is cool. It is undeniably cool. The shortcuts thing you are talking about is like undeniably cool. And I want to live in a world where that is part of my life. I will not wear the headset and I will not buy the headset in order to get that thing. <laughs> but like, that's that tension, right? Where you have these moments where you're like, oh, this is it. Like they, they did it. This is it. And then you have to weigh that against what is this thing I have on my face? What does that mean for like my life? Is this worth the cost? And you even said in the review, right, we we review things not just based on like what they might be someday, but- but what the thing is in the box. But that is so- right, But that's not, that's not what got it to seven. I, 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 that's my rule. It's a good rule. It's the right rule, but it's. it's so hard to do, especially in this case, because A, Apple has a longer history of being right about these things than most. So like most of the time, you genuinely should not assume this thing will ever get better for any reason, because most of the time it doesn't. With Apple, it usually does. And yeah. so you have to believe that more than with most companies. But then also- It's $3,500.
2: Okay, so here's how I've – that price thing also weighed on my mind. Another good argument for sex. If It's a phone review, and even in phone reviews now, it's like you're just reviewing iPhones for people who buy iPhones. You're very rarely writing a review for somebody with an Android phone except for like blunt curiosity if the camera is good or bad. Um, My assumption going into this was that I was not writing buying advice. The people who are buying the Vision Pro are buying the Vision Pro, whether or not I think it's going to matter. bad. So
3: what was that score speaking S-
2: So the score was like, okay, like, however many they sold, 80,000, 120,000. The vast majority of people are going to try this thing on, and my guess is after a while, they're like, yeah, it's 7. And, like, that is where that came from, right, is eh, it kind of works a little time, but, oh, man, I sometimes I have really good time. Like, that that exact thing, the reason it's world of no 7s. Is the that is why I got there because sometimes you're like, oh, this is great. And then sometimes you're like, I'm looking at the look at the right. And like that is like a real challenge in there. It's not broken. The last Apple product I gave a six to was the Apple studio display whose webcam basically (laughs) shipped an unusable state. Right. And I was like, this is six because this display technology. The panel is fine, but the backlight technology is uh, steam powered and this camera is effectively broken six. Uh, and that was, what, $1,200, $1,300? $1, $1,600. 1600
1: I should have given that a five. Yeah, you should have. That's what I was about to say. You scored <laughs> that thing too high. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'm just wrong. But I will say, a bunch of people pointed out the similarities between what this thing is and what the original Apple Watch was, which I think is really interesting because you give yeah. both a seven. Uh, and I think you were right about the Apple Watch and wrong about this. And I've been trying to figure out what it is. Interesting. Uh, I know what it is. Wait, wait. I want to hear what David's theory is. I have two theories. One is $3,500. <laughs> uh, and the other is I think the first Apple Watch got the form factor almost right and hadn't quite figured out the use case. But it was like still a nice thing to where I got furious at the first Apple Watch because it didn't tell the time. <laughs> the yeah. screen wasn't on all the time. Like, how dare you a watch if you don't tell me the time when I look at you? But it, it like, the, the thing was there, right? It was close enough to being what the thing should be. And it already did some of the things you would want it to. So it was like, that felt closer to me than this, in which the thing itself is nowhere near what it's supposed to be. Nope. Not even close. And so that's where it loses me like I deduct a full point for absolutely no one thinks this is what this is supposed to look like
2: yeah I will say I feel very vindicated by the modern rereading of the Apple watch reviews guy got raked over the coals for giving that thing a bad score yeah it holds up it really does and I was like this thing is a I believe I used the word bobble I was like this thing is a bobble and you will buy it if you and if you buy it you will like it because people like bobbles but it is not fashion it is technology that looks like fashion, and they need to figure out what it's for. And it took them three generations to get there. Mm-hmm. And they totally rebooted the software. And I was like, no one will ever – and like for a long time, people were like, you were just unnecessarily harsh. And this time, like literally our screenshots comparing my two reviews yeah. being like, oh, this is the same exact thing. And I, the only thing I will remind everyone of is, one, I was right. I will always remind <laughs> you it. No, but two, the – The path wasn't set when the thing was launched, right? So being like, this thing happened to the Apple Watch means it will happen to the other thing. They had to adjust. Right. And actually, the review is like, it adjusts them. Like, they take the feedback from the market, from the customers, from the reviewers, and they, like, make decisions based on it. And one of the big decisions they had to make along the way was, we are totally rebooting watchOS. Mm Mm-hmm to make the interface different, to completely decrease our uh, reliance on third-party apps in an app store.
3: You're just telling me your watch review should have been a six.
1: <laughs> but also Apple, with the Apple Watch, and this is true of a lot of Apple things, right? Apple starts by mm. getting the hardware pretty <laughs> close to right. <laughs> mm.
2: And the software <laughs> is by further Alex. away.
1: <laughs> Alex will be joining Dan Sievert in the world beyond. <laughs> Yeah, can we just re-review every <laughs> Apple product we've ever done right now? Let's just rescore them all. I get no, a lot. Yeah, anyway. the the watch hardware was very close, and then the question is, how do we make this thing into what it ought to be inside of this box? And well, Apple and it, usually gets the box right. In this case, neither one of them is right. Yeah.
3: Well, it, like the watch shipped to people, and they could use it, and they could set it up, and they didn't have issues with it, and. Lots of people bought one.
2: Wait, famously Karl Lagerfeld could not set his up and wear really? it he does around. Does not, Do you not know about this. This is like an old Virchow joke. Karl Lagerfeld was photographed. You know they gave it to all the fashion people. Yeah, at the yeah. Beginning. They photographed Karl Lagerfeld wearing, proudly wearing it with the setup screen on the face. <laughs> and that's like we call we started calling it Lagerfelding, where you're just like wearing a dead Apple Watch. <laughs> Just as a, as a fashion accessory. That's awesome. But
3: again, that was another reason to give it a seven because it was like a fashion thing. Not necessarily a mm-hmm. good one, but it was fashion. And this is just like such a developer kit that yeah. I keep I'm like I keep thinking about that a lot. Like it feels like such a developer kit.
2: They, they just won't say it, man. There was a story in Vanity Fair. A beautifully
3: photographed story
2: in Vanity Fair. It was. Stunning. A photographed story in Vanity
1: Fair. <laughs> uh, Tim Cook is wearing the headset. He's blinking. Yeah. Did you notice this? His eyes are closed. His googly eyes on the front of the headset are closed. He's blinking in the photo.
2: That's very <laughs> funny. It's fantastic. They should put that on the website. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, there's a story in Vanity Fair, and it is, I mean, honestly, a story could be from 10 years ago. I know Nick Bilton who wrote it. Nick is a very nice guy. I've had a taco at a party at his house before. Like He's a very nice guy. Um, but it could have been written 10 years ago about VR. Right. Right. Like the line is like Tim Cook saw himself on on the moon. He knew it was the future. Like that line has been written about Mark Zuckerberg and yep. Palmer. Like,
3: yeah, you could have just like done find and replace Magic Leap for every time they say Vision Pro at that
2: review. Yeah. Do you remember a uh, Magic Leap? Uh, was it Wired that ran the story where yes. Ronnie Bromovitz was like, I'm hacking the GPU of your brain? Yep. <laughs> like, we've just been here, man. <laughs> like, uh, and so I think Apple can't say it's a developer kit. They can't place themselves in the long line of companies that have been doing this for a long, they have to say it's finished, and which I is why this, they have to, they have to have entertainment and they have to do this. James Cameron is in that Manny Fair piece quoted as saying, this will change everything. And it's like, dude, you have done more scuba diving VR than anybody.
3: I have been thinking about that quote specifically more than anything else that's come out of this whole yeah. situation because James Cameron is like not generally a guy. Hmm. I was going to say he's not generally a guy prone to hyperbole, but he did once declare himself king of the world.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that was hyperbole at some point. <laughs> at that moment in time.
3: Yeah. But when it comes to, like, technology, he's not usually a guy prone to hyperbole. And so when he's like, no, this changes everything. And he's specifically talking about the display technology, uh, yeah. like which sounds really, really incredible. I was like, is there something there? Like, have we missed something that James Cameron is seeing that we're not, besides, like, the inside of the headset?
2: It is legitimately amazing display technology. I, I have nothing but admiration for how hard it was to build those displays. They are genuinely amazing. Yeah. Right. They are available, apparently, on the market. The same person who told me that uh, hand tracking being something I believed in was like, you know, Meta could have bought those. Like, they, that was a thing that Meta had the opportunity to buy, but Meta's version of that headset would have been even more expensive because Meta doesn't have m1 chips or m2 chips they would have had to go and buy chips with more power and more battery and they're like this is we can't go this way right so apple uniquely was able to make use of these displays which are again an engineering marvel but it's like james they're just better than what you have now (laughs) right they're just like (laughs) linearly better than the thing you have now yeah and that if you're james cameron like you should be able to see like
3: Y- yeah, this was, is the
2: step like this is the step change that changes at all is like not the thing
3: I really want to like sit him down and be like did they just like cherry pick your quotes here They well, run
2: Apple TV plus man. I know like
3: I need I just need to know more from Jim Jim call me I know you listen to Vergecast. He does. Yeah We'll talk about the the sub too. Jim was the guy I
2: okay. told me about meta. He's the source <laughs> If you're listening Tim Cook, that's no, not true at all. Not, not even like the slightest bit true uh a, a little bit. It's it's. By the time you're listening to this, it We'll be out. I'm sure some of you are driving your cars wearing it right now. Stop it. Pull over to the side of the road. Uh, Apple today. A little bit more. Apple announced along with the launch of Vision Pro, 600 apps will be at launch, which seems like a good number. It's a lot know, for for a new platform. It's a good number. Is it?
1: I think so. I mean, it's fine. It's some apps. But, like, this is the company that spends a lot of time talking about hundreds of thousands of apps and millions of apps. 600 is is good.
3: I'm going to point out, I once got really roasted for being, for complaining about how few games launched with the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Granted, I did say it when Zelda came out and it was one of the best games ever made. But, like, here's the
2: 600
1: yeah, apps. 600's impressive. It's, 600 is great. 600 is... Vision pro like built yeah, for spatial computing. It's also gonna have all the iPad stuff.
2: Yeah. One yeah. million apps, six hundred vision pro apps. Sure. Which I will just point out is nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred uh six hundred. Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand four hundred.
3: Four hundred. Four hundred. Yeah.
2: No, that's a hundred. That's a million. Yep. Okay. I'm <laughs> gonna do this math, all right? Hold math. On. Please leave this I'm, in. <laughs> no, do not leave this in. Leave it in. <laughs> Everyone's gonna find Dan if we leave this in. All right, all right, all right, right. Um which I'll just point out is nine hundred ninety nine thousand four hundred <laughs> iPad apps. <laughs> that's a lot of iPad
3: apps. That's a lot of iPad apps. Anyway,
2: among this, it's six hundred is not bad if it's the right six hundred. But I'll just point out among the six hundred they announced, compatible apps from top cable services, including Charter Spectrum, Comcast, Xfinity, Cox, Contour, Sling TV, and Verizon FiOS.
3: Yeah, that's what I
2: want. Uh, if you're rocking the Verizon FiOS app in space. Like, I, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, if Paying you, your if, bills. If you buy the space computer and take it out of its little marshmallow and put it on your head, you're like, "Let's open the Charter Spectrum app." What are you doing, man? <laughs> well, you got to pay your bill so you can keep downloading
3: stuff. <laughs> like,
2: it's, it's, that is the funniest, and that obviously they're trying to point out, like, entertainment. It's entertainment.
3: It's not it's Netflix, like, it's fine. Do you
2: know what those apps stream in? 480p that they lie is 720p. That's that is hilarious. the lowest bitrate video you can get, which is hilarious to me because I this is all buried in the review. I should quick post on the site just to break it out. It will not support VR video on YouTube. It just like won't do it. Right. And they're like, because the VR video on YouTube is lo- too low quality.
3: <laughs> Apple.
2: So it doesn't have a YouTube app. And if you go try to watch some 360 video on YouTube, it just won't work. The end. Can I say one more weedsy thing, and then we can break out of this? Go. Yeah. It's very weedsy, but uh, people asked us this question a lot, and I didn't know the answer when we did the old episode.
1: How does it It, smell?
2: How does it smell? Okay. Uh, It smells like the future, obviously. (laughs) The faintest whiff of roasted marshmallows. (laughs) Uh, uh, People asked about the Mac display sharing, and I finally know how it works, which is very complicated. It is basically a 27-inch studio display or iMac display. So you tell your Mac you're sharing to it. Your Mac imagines a 27-inch 5K display. Uh, Mm. It runs the interface at 2560 by 1440, which is a perfect 2-to-1 scale. That's how a 27-inch iMac works by default. You cannot change it. So a 27-inch iMac display, you can run it at other resolutions, and it'll be fine. This one, it it gives you a low-resolution warning. So it wants to run at this 2-to-1 scale. Then it takes that 5K display and sends it as a 4K video stream to the Vision Pro which you, you can then resize at will. No. So it is not pixel perfect at all. It looks great. I, I have no yeah. complaints about how it looks. But the thing that is happening is that it is imagining a 5K display that a Mac knows how to run at, because that is the 27-inch iMac, the 27-inch studio display. It runs the interface at 2560 by 1440, but if you're running something 4K, it has enough pixels to just do it, because it's a 5K display. But then the thing that is happening is streaming at 4K to the Vision Pro. So it compresses that and it makes us smaller.
3: It sounds both technologically cool and also like I just hate it from in the same way I hate when people say, yeah, this is f- f- uh, 720p streaming. Yeah. When it's secretly 480.
2: Yeah. It's or all if lies. they're like, this is HD and yeah. it's 720. Lies. Fox. <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> uh, anyway, everyone asked me that question and I that is the answer. And so it it is correct that they keep calling it a 4K Mac display. It's actually a 5K Mac display, but it's actually running at 2560 by 1440. And whatever, it looks fine and you'll use it unless you need pixel perfect accuracy, in which case, take your face computer off and just look at your screen. There we
1: go. Six out of 10. (laughs)
2: That's it. (laughs) We got to take a break. We'll be back. We're going to talk about the rest of the year. Come on. We got to take a break. We got other stuff to talk about. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before like a good neighbor, State Farm is there all right
2: that's enough talking with our eyes let's talk about our ears huh
1: <laughs> all right lay this this in patel let's go
2: <laughs> i tried it's been such a long week the cinnamon toast
3: crunch crash is real man it's happening in real time in front of me <laughs> <laughs> just
2: melting over here no it's big news this may maybe bigger news than vision bro Uh, It's bigger news. It It will impact more people more directly. Okay. Yeah. Cause more damage to the economy than you can imagine. Josh Hawley is going to write a bill about it soon. The Universal Music Group, in a fight with TikTok, has pulled its catalog from TikTok. Its catalog includes Taylor Swift, Drake, Olivia Rodrigo,
1: Bad Bunny. Basically, uh, I think U2 is in the mix. Billie Eilish is on here. Harry Styles, Justin Bieber, Adele. Yeah. All of them. Universal, CEO,
2: Lucian Grange, who, by the way, was profiled in the New Yorker this week, talking about his worries about the music industry and in generative AI. Oh. Obviously, ahead of them pulling their music from TikTok, they said TikTok has offered them horrible terms and is trying to bully them. They this were- is bad news for. T- and it's gone. If you go look at Taylor Swift on TikTok right now, her catalog is gone. All those videos, all of those TikTok videos that have Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo and all those other artists, in,
1: copyright notices. Yeah. And there's just a huge portion of TikTok that is now silent. Uh, it's nuts. And I assume this is ultimately just a negotiating tactic on both sides. And they'll, this feels to me sort of like a carriage dispute with cable companies where it's mm-hmm. like, it's actually in everybody's interest to resolve this and they will. But it, Universal is clearly trying to prove that it is willing to pick this fight. Because I think TikTok has reached a point that like, I've been thinking a lot about Roku reading about this because there was this long period of time where roku was like every streaming company's favorite streaming platform because it didn't have competitive content it wasn't an advertising business it was just the place people bought hardware to go to apps and that was perfect for all the apps right and so everybody worked with roku even when they wouldn't work with each other when apple and amazon were beefing they still both worked with roku and then roku got big enough that it said we are going to start selling advertising on our own and we're actually going to start making our own content and we're going to start competing with you but we're so powerful now that there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. And and Roku started sort of just eating chunks of that market away and it had gotten so big that there was nothing any of these players could do about it. And I think TikTok believes it is now that powerful. That yep. TikTok grew so much on the back of essentially like goodwill and free marketing for all of these uh, record labels and all the music being out there and became this like center of culture. And now is turning around and saying like, look how powerful we are. You're going to play by our rules now. Yeah. And I think universal is one of the few companies probably in a position to actually hold fast against that.
2: Especially because of its stable of artists and universal to be clear is a big old school bully record label. Like, Lucian Grange is a very good operator. He has led the music industry through Universal through many shifts, and he gets what he wants. Yep, he's the one who, when Fake Drake showed up on YouTube, it's Lucian Grange who pushed YouTube and right. Google into being like, here are responsible AI yep. things, and here's a new monetization system for AI generated music on YouTube. I don't know if that's great for the world. It's great for universal music. Yes. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's his job and he's going to – but he has shown the ability to bully platforms using his gigantic catalog of artists right. and the artists all like him. Because and there's hardly that. anybody with that specific kind of leverage against yeah. these platforms.
3: And he's, he's going after AI in this –
2: Yes, yeah, spe- specifically, it, yeah. that he wants protection against generative AI on this platform, just as he has it on YouTube. I think the difference between TikTok and YouTube in this context is that YouTube is a music listening platform, mm-hmm. and this is long confused like YouTube itself, like YouTube, Google, very data-driven organizations. Uh, Susan Wojcicki, the former CEO of YouTube, used to say things like, "We're a music service," because if you look at the data, the thing people do the most on YouTube is they listen to music,
1: right? right. There's literally a stat on YouTube that is most watched non music video video on yeah. YouTube. Like that's how big music is. Is like Mr. Beast keeps breaking the non music video record. Yeah, because right. Because that's YouTube is music videos slash everything else.
2: Right. Oh, right. And like the lo-fi beats girl. Like yeah, people right. turn on YouTube and they just like get access to music. Yeah. And so YouTube is a streaming, and they you know the YouTube music exists, and they they've grown this thing, and YouTube knows. That, uh, you know, Google executives now will tell you YouTube is a licensing product. Google search is a fair use product. YouTube is a licensing product. They know they need these relationships with the labels to preserve the existence of YouTube, especially because what people do the most is they just listen to music. TikTok is a discovery platform. Right. So and that is where their power comes from.
3: Yeah, but. I think I think music is still like intrinsic to its success. To oh, it is, but, the, like, but it has to. But TikTok
2: listen. to Spotify is the pathway there,
3: right? For for music, but I'm saying for TikTok, the p- reason people go watch this stuff is because it's music. Like right, it's everybody. But, so, but doing if you're cool TikTok, summer. what you
2: but what the data is showing you is people discover new songs on TikTok mm-hmm. and then they go to Spotify and listen to them, right? And you're saying to the music industry, you will not be able to break new artists to a younger generation without us. So right. you believe that you have all this, whereas YouTube is looking at its data and saying, if the music goes away, all of this is gone.
3: Right. But I, th- I think UMG is saying, you need us because otherwise yeah. the kids won't have any content to do their dances to.
2: But they, they will have other. This is the TikTok bet. Right. Yeah. Right. If you're TikTok, TikTok is this is how you end up here. You're saying there will be other music.
3: Yeah. They're hoping that somebody else is as big as Taylor Swift, which is like right. bold. Travis Kelsey is going to start his own record.
1: Book. Right.
2: The Super Bowl is in two weeks. This is a bad time to not have Taylor Swift on your on your on your platform. Well,
1: it's an interesting one though, because like the 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 three names we put in our story, which I think is sort of fascinating, are Taylor Swift, Drake, and Olivia Rodrigo. Right. I think Taylor Swift obviously does not need TikTok. TikTok is more in need of Taylor Swift than Taylor Swift is TikTok. Right. I don't think that's arguable. Drake, same. Olivia Rodrigo, interesting case. Olivia Rodrigo, very famous artist, came up on Disney Channel, had lots of things, but also her music broke in a big way on TikTok. Would Olivia Rodrigo be as big as she is now without TikTok? Who knows, right? And, and she's huge. And I think every, I think you're right that the bet TikTok is making is that everyone who is not an A++ list artist needs TikTok more than TikTok needs them. Because there is just an infinite supply of... Of up and coming musicians all over TikTok right. everywhere.
2: Are you gonna break the Lil Boothing guy without
1: <laughs> universal music? Like maybe you are, right? Maybe. um
2: what's the other uh like is TikTok just gonna do sea shanties? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, maybe like you know, like yeah. uh do you remember Ricky Desktop? We did a profile this oh, dude, Ricky yeah. Desktop. The DJ guy. He did the dice beat, the boat beat, the chicken wing beat. <laughs> and then he he was like, Oh no, I'm a real producer and he won't talk to us anymore. Oh, <laughs> 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 Ricky Desktop, if you're out there, man, I hope you made it, dude. Chicken wing beat was fired.
1: <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was.
2: But like that's TikTok's bet is there's an infinite supply of new things to discover, and Universal's bet is you need our, our like we have the stars.
3: And that's why I think this is fascinating. Like historically, I, I just thought it was really interesting, both because what David said earlier about how this is like the fights with the carriage. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, oh, we are in a new entertainment age. Where now these fights are no longer happening between TV companies and, and big studios. They're happening between music companies and big social media platforms. And that's just like, that's a, we're in a whole new space. Yeah. And, and, and it's still rapidly developing. And now you have this whole generation of kids. And it's like, okay, are they're going to stay on this platform that is doing their girl Taylor dirty, which is certainly a messaging that UMG can and has pushed. Yeah. Or are they going to? Like, are you going to
2: protect Taylor Swift against AI? That's yeah. what all Universal has to say. And the, the TikToks right answer right now is like no.
1: Well, and given, I mean, A, Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift, but also what's been happening with this, like the the images, the non-conceptual generative AI stuff of Taylor Swift on Twitter, like this is uh I, I would not Purport to say that Universal timed this intentionally and perfectly, but boy, if they did, did they time it perfectly? Well, did. Their
2: contract was up on January thirty first. They, 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 the
1: contract just was just ages ago.
2: Yeah, the
1: timing just worked very well for them. But, uh, but it did, and I think it is all of these things are very much coming together. And also, one other wrench to throw in here is TikTok is relentlessly trying to close the TikTok to Spotify pipeline with TikTok music which it is continuing to work on and continuing to test and continuing to roll out all over the world. And so TikTok is becoming this thing where if it works and if TikTok music works, it's going to just like take the whole music industry inside of it. And so if yeah. you're universal, you're like, okay, if we sign a bad deal now and TikTok music hits, it suddenly becomes a really bad deal because now there's no there's no out, there's nowhere to go because we've lost a whole generation of music listeners to this one app and service.
2: Can I just, can I offer you some very, I just realized this, a very funny media inside baseball drama tidbit. Sure. The New Yorker this week has a profile of Lucien Grange, Condé Nast. Wired's cover this month is Z Show, the CEO of TikTok. Mm. <laughs> and they're just like battling it out across Fight. the covers of Condé Nast. Um, it's pretty good. It's very good. I. Th- but that's like where we're at, right? Like, These people are out in public trying to advocate for themselves. I think TikTok is in danger. Look, I've called the top on this episode on camera pass through and eye tracking. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're close to calling the top on TikTok. Wow. Really? Yeah. If you, TikTok, you know, it's a pandemic phenomenon. They didn't just grow through like good vibes, they bought billions of dollars of Facebook Mm -hmm. advertising to get app installs. Right. So,
3: and that really pop, was it musically? It was music. They
2: bought musically, um, and you know they've got AI in the recommend. It, but like this is a pandemic phenomenon that felt really good in that time. Like, everyone's together. We're all doing these dances. Like we create cultural moments.
3: Uh, we need to escape life, and all we have to do is flick.
2: Yeah, right. And here's all these people talking. We're all baking bread. The the kids are doing call and responses in department stores. <laughs> you know, remember, you know, like they would all oh, yeah. yell the thing, and they yell the other. Like what was it? It was real. was dirty. <laughs> Uh, which is great. That's what I love. Yeah. Um, uh, it was just fun. Like kids are terrifying their parents with so this app. Is like that's what we're here for. That's why The Verge exists. <laughs> and now it's in the middle of what Cory Doctorow would call the incitification cycle. Right. Right. So TikTok is no longer full of organic, wonderful content from people who are bored in the pandemic. It's full of people trying to sell you stuff. Right. <laughs> and like TikTok. more, more so than YouTube. Right. YouTube. You can have AdSense and you can just make videos, and YouTube runs the pre-rolls, and you get some money, and that's the end of that. the U- The TikTok Creator Fund does not work that way, and it like doesn't even pay that much money. So if you get success on TikTok, you immediately start looking for a brand deal, right? And you you just see this this thing happen so fast, and so it has just become like less good feeling. In the same way that I would I would say Instagram has had the exact same problem. Like Instagram is influencers
3: it's a catalog
2: yeah right it's a and tiktok is just headed that way and they've added the tiktok shop now they're doing this thing where they're incentivizing horizontal videos that are over a minute long to compete with youtube and they're going to add this music service and you're like you're getting farther and farther away from the thing that made it worth spending billions of dollars to get app installed
3: they're they're doing the elon musk they're trying to do an an everything app
2: yeah maybe i just think like when you open it it's no longer like Here's a bunch of delightful things that are ha- like it. And maybe I just need to reset my algorithm or something.
1: No, it's, it is what it is. I mean, and now, like, I think the TikTok shop is the thing, right? Like, I if, if you want to point at one thing, if you want to call the top, no. it's the TikTok shop.
2: By the way, to be clear, I'm not, I'm saying, I feel comfortable saying we might be close to calling the top.
1: No, Neil, I called the top. You heard it here <laughs> yeah. first, everybody. Uh, Done. Four out of ten on TikTok for me, <laughs> <Patel. laughs> but no. The the shop not only did the TikTok shop come in, and all of a sudden, two out of three videos you saw was somebody trying to sell you something from the shop. Uh, John Herman at New York Mag wrote a really good piece about. He uh, did a live stream. After putting a used pencil in the TikTok shop and got thousands of viewers because TikTok <laughs> just absolutely boosts engagement through the roof as long as you're selling something. And now TikTok is running a test. We had a story this week where it's actually identifying products in videos with AI and offering purchase links to them. So not only is it incentivizing everybody to deliberately sell you stuff, it is going to sell you stuff even when you don't mean to sell stuff. And all of the incentives on this platform now are going to be to sell you stuff from the TikTok shop, which by all accounts is being wildly subsidized and everything's very cheap and it's all sort of sketchy and weird. But like that is going to break this platform faster than it I have a else. question yeah. about the shop.
3: Do you guys like when you see the little orange button, do you just scroll
1: yeah. past it as quick? as I possible? When I see the live indicator or yeah. when I see
2: the TikTok shop, I'm like gone. Except... Same. There's one that gets me every time, and it's wrecking my whole algorithmic situation. It is constantly trying to sell me off-brand DeWalt batteries.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, ooh. I get so many
2: TikTok shop live streams for, like, you can buy five DeWalt six-amp-hour batteries for just 20 bucks. Look at how well they are. And it's like, those are going to light my house on fire. And I just keep watching. They'd be like, are they going to light on fire in this video?
3: And it's also just QVC. feel. Like, anytime I see the live ones, I'm like, "I, I don't watch QVC when I had, like, Television. Why am I going to do it on a TikTok? I got to go buy some batteries. I. It's in my brain. You're thinking about it. Yeah, they got you. Uh,
1: it's
2: not even QVC. It's just a guy being like, "Look at these. Look at how cheap these batteries
1: yeah, are." Seriously. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not even as good as QVC. Like <laughs> QVC tries a lot harder than this. But I also think like this. This is the same thing. This is TikTok feeling itself, right? I yeah. think Instagram. Somebody wrote this. I think it was John Herman, but if it wasn't, I'm, I'm stealing this thesis from somebody else. So to whoever it was, I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot who you are. Uh but Instagram has sort of identified this same thing where it's like what if we made everything for sale but has done it very slowly and carefully because there is a sense of like we don't want to ruin the experience or at least not ruin it very quickly tiktok doesn't give a shit about that tiktok yeah. is just like oh you like our app shopping now and there is this sense of like tiktok i think feels like it is inevitable now like it has won in a way that it can now turn on anything. It can change the algorithm. It can say, oh, we're doing horizontal videos now. It's literally going 90, Nilay. TikTok is going literally going 90. Oh my God, I'm not ready to do that at all. <laughs> no, I'm not even saying in reality. It, the app is going 90. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they want you to make horizontal videos.
2: So one of my favorite things to do, this is gonna make me sound very pretentious when I'm saying it. Um, whenever I leave America, I like to read books about America. <laughs> It's just like a thing. I, I also
3: tuck into some Tocqueville as soon as I leave. <laughs> Not like that.
1: neil <laughs> i I'm just, I'm like, just like unfurling the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> on the plane. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Not like that. So
2: one of my very favorite books is called The Conquest of Cool. It is okay. about uh, the American advertising in the 60s after all of the GIs came home and they got money. And that's when the counterculture started. And it it is if you like Mad Men, you should read this book because it is the thesis of Mad Men. Right? Is we're gonna take the counterculture, we're gonna take rebellion, we're gonna repackage it and sell it to people, and that means Americans. Just our culture is like kind of sarcastic and ironic all the time. Right. Like we we sell rebellion here in America, and like selling out it. This yeah. is the most sellout our culture has ever been, but it's still like ah, oh, you sold that. Like that's we're just not a sincere people here in the United States of America. Other countries are very sincere, which is why. I always read about our culture when I go – because it, the contrast is real. Mm-hmm. And so you can see a little bit of that over-commercialization because Instagram is an American company that feels very American. Like it understands the thing that it is and it knows it can't just slam shopping into your face culturally. The designers, the product managers, Adam – like there's a lot of people who live here. Like it's an American product in that way that's American. They try to be very global. Like in, Instagram is huge all over the world. I, I'm not – denying that i'm just saying there's a cultural aspect to the product's design that is reflective of the fact that you cannot just walk up to an american and be like mm. buy the shit like it just <laughs> kind of does it sometimes just doesn't work right like there's there's a little bit of ironic detachment that we accept here that we expect here tiktok is just it rep it is a chinese company and i think there's a little bit of that like the reason there's everything apps in china if you go to those places are ultra commercialized in a very different kind of way yeah and I think – I'm not even saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that, that it's a different culture.
3: No, you, you can feel it because I think – I also see it with how we're very reviews-driven in this this culture. Like in, in America, you go on Amazon, you go to places, and you still are checking like, okay, does this have a good score? Am I going to get this? And, and that, that shop app is like –
2: no, so there's none of it.
3: None of that. It's just like you want to buy it, right? <laughs> like,
2: I, I, yeah, there's just a different vibe. And yeah. I again I don't I don't I, I really I'm being careful. I don't mean to say like in a xenophobic way. I'm like literally just identifying a cultural difference in how the commercial content is presented to you yeah. in this app that I think is reflective of something else.
1: When you look at apps like uh Sheehan and Timu and like Wish yep. back in the day, and like that vibe is A lot of that comes from China and is very much percolating all over the U.S. now, right? Like, there were all these years where all these different kinds of companies tried to make this influencer-driven shopping work, uh, which has been huge in China for years, right? Like, a a person will get on camera and just talk about products they like, and they sell millions of dollars. And that has never been a thing in the U.S., and it is, like, rapidly becoming one because that portion of culture and commercial life has very much been exported to the US and I think it's happening really fast
3: yeah but it's just QVC sort it's...
2: of so it's just like sort of yeah but it's a really different generation right like QVC is different actually it, I think it's I was watching QVC in the lobby of a hotel recently mm-hmm. it's a rock in life what I, lead here. <laughs> I like, High, highs and lows uh, so much excitement <laughs> signing the Apple security NDA for the Vision Pro watching QVC in the hotel lobby right <laughs> highs and lows uh, and they were selling an uh, electric snowblower with a cord. And the poor woman had to be like, this cord is so convenient. Yeah. And it was, like, just amazing. It was, like, some of the most amazing performance I've ever seen. I was like, screw the screw the Oscars. Like, find this woman. <laughs> this is the best actress in America. Uh, and, like, yeah, TikTok has some of that element to it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is just, like, showing you stuff. Like, there's there isn't that. That, that are,
3: performative like isn't like it Amazon the has
2: more QVC in it. And I'm telling you that I think that is like reflective of the sort of just like detachment you need. Yeah. Like it, it's it's authentic. Right. It's like very American authentic in its way. Oh, but it's not. It well, it's obviously isn't. But that's what I mean. Like, yeah, there's you have to build a little bit of artifice in our culture to go dead into selling. Right. Right. And in, in other cultures, you don't. And that's just a cultural difference. And it's interesting, to David's point, to see that come through in the apps. What's really interesting is Meta doesn't operate in China. So we have not sent that back the other way, right. which is just like also fascinating. To consider. And it's good, I think for good reason, they don't operate in China, right? Like they don't want to give data to the Chinese government. Yeah. Um, Google doesn't operate in China for the same reason. Uh, Apple does. Interesting. So this moment for TikTok where I'm saying, close to calling the top. I wonder if that will be part of it too. Hmm. Where their their arrogance about what they are, what they represent to this culture is going to run into their ideas about what will work.
3: Yeah. I think that's right.
2: Right, and to to run into sort of the essential nature of like how Americans wish to consume advertising is going to be really interesting cuz it's not like the TikTok users aren't already complaining about TikTok Shop. Right. Like they already don't like it. And now you're going to take Taylor Swift away, and her label boss is going to say you—they won't protect her from AI clones of her voice. Like that's a, it's a dangerous position. And to be there in.
3: are so many.
2: Yeah. Okay, uh, that's enough TikToking. Yeah. <laughs> Killing it. This is I the worst. hate it.
3: I hate it so much.
2: I I have been on such a like good, healthy, clean-eating diet and exercise, and then this last week, just reviewing this thing, I'm just like
1: give me the sugar it's a real i think like everybody there's a version of this that is very much like when you had like finals week in college yeah and like the whole rest of your life just sort of collapses around you uh that's what nilai has been through for the last seven days except in a headset
3: that was like you would see him (laughs) and the rest of the team that worked on it and you yeah, yeah it was like oh you guys are in finals
1: yeah and now i have
2: senioritis Brad, let's, drink, let's drink some Miller Lite. I'm never six doing snacks. any work again. Uh, all right, got to take a break. We'll be right back.
0: Once upon a time in America, there was no such thing as all-you-can-eat shrimp. And then the world changed. Today, shrimp is the most popular, the most consumed seafood in America the endless shrimp fiesta is an American institution. But that shrimp fiesta comes at a steep price. Here at Gastropod, we found out that hidden behind the delicious shrimp on your plate is environmental disaster and modern-day slavery. So can you have your shrimp and a clear conscience too? Actually, yes.
3: And we've got the secret to help you unlock true, lifelong shrimp happiness. Listen to the latest episode of Gastropod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. Lightning round, sponsored by Cinnamon Toast Crunch.
2: <laughs> do we have any individual sponsors of lightning round this week? I got some emails last week, individual listeners who wanted to sponsor lightning round. Liam, I've asked our sales team to reach out. <laughs> oh my god, if you're an individual listener of the show and our sales team reaches out to you, set the highest
1: price you can think yeah. of—fifty <laughs> like million
2: dollars. Yeah,
1: but also if you just Venmo Neely ten bucks, we'll, we'll we'll do it. It's fine. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Wait, I guess it's the other way around. Our sales team should set a high price. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know how advertising works.
2: That's why I haven't been able to sell the lightning round to anyone. Give us money. I'm handing her, I'm giving it away to Smeg, left and right. You want a weird old fridge? Smeg. Yeah, it's weird that Smeg has not reached out yet. <laughs> so strange.
3: That's a weird name to choose.
2: Actually, one of my favorite TikTok videos I've seen recently is a guy who refurbishes fridge. Really? And I think they know, It's like they're listening to me. So like, yeah. show them some fridge videos. <laughs>
3: <laughs> They're listening. All right, Kranz, what you got? I'm going to be mean and do two. Ooh. I haven't reviewed a giant headset this week, so I'm going to be selfish we'll allow it. and do two. So my first one is streaming stuff, which is Hulu is cracking down on password sharing. It's It's been a while, but they, they said, yeah, we're in on this, too. We also want more of your money, which means more of you need to use your passwords. Sign in. David, how are you feeling about that?
1: This sucks. So I... I forget where I first heard this. I think it was on somebody on the, the town podcast, which is a very good podcast that everybody should listen to who was saying that we as society screwed up by not being angrier when Netflix did this because we all just kind of rolled with it. We were like, Oh yeah, Netflix isn't going to let you share your Netflix password. That sort of makes sense. And then it worked and everybody else is like, Oh dope. We can do that too. We should have been so much angrier at this because this sucks and is bad and is just shaking users down for every penny they can get from them and we've just all kind of allowed it to happen. And I can't get mad now that Hulu's doing it because I didn't get mad when anybody else did it, but I wish I had. I should have been angrier. We all should have.
2: Can I tell you a text I got literally as we've been podcasting? It's from my sister. It's a (laughs) screenshot of Netflix and it says, looks like our Netflix jig is up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> this is real Alex know, is looking at it. it it's amazing my <laughs> version this specifically is Hulu I have an incredibly insecure password on my Hulu because I haven't changed it in probably a decade because mm-hmm. there I mean there honestly must be 30 people out there in the world Wait. using my Hulu account including yeah. at least one ex-girlfriend uh, I've been married for a long time now like it's 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 Bad times. Coming Hulu, for a lot of sharing Hulu
3: passwords is how I found out a friend had a baby. It's because I was like, where's all this baby content wow, coming amazing. from? This is too much. Then I was like, oh, she still got my password. Yeah. That's rude. Stop watching baby stuff. Make a new account. Yeah. So
2: I, Amazon also launched ads this week, right?
3: Yeah, Amazon. Th- th- like, Speaking of really things we should like, get
2: loudly
1: yeah. mad about.
3: It. Yeah, it, it feels like between last week and this week, we're really like fully swung into the dark ages of streaming. We're fully in that moment where like it sucks. 'Cause it, it it sucks. This
2: is when the cable bundle just like comes roaring back.
3: It's here, right? Like No, like, it's not here.
2: You can't just be like, I'll I mean, this is why Apple's announcing the Charter Spectrum app in the Vision. I was Person. I was like,
3: you can if you like I, I, I like Verizon. Verizon's like, Would you like Disney Plus and Hulu? Yeah. For like a little less money. And maybe we'll throw in Apple TV. No,
2: I want like an old school cable box app now. Give me a grid guide. Start playing stuff as that's soon as I open I'm it. Saying, that's what I'm saying. I mean, this is just Tubi. Well, we're about to have the CEO of Tubi uh-huh. on Decoder. So I'll just ask her if this is what's happening. It uh, is. But man, I wish one of these services would be like, all right, we're just doing it. All the content's in 4K and it's everything.
3: The Apple TV yeah. kind of does that.
2: But it's not everything.
3: It's, they don't have like, a lot. Even baseball on
2: Apple TV Plus isn't in 4K. And they own it.
3: That's because they're doing the, sports. If they the, weren't doing sports, The
2: MLS isn't in 4K and Apple TV Plus, and they, they literally own it. They're going to get to doing 180-degree 3D video of soccer yeah. before they stream <laughs> it in 4K to a TV.
1: God, that's real.
3: I 100% believe
2: that. By the way, Addy called this out yesterday, and I didn't mention it in this review. Sorry to talk with the Vision program. Apple keeps calling them 360 videos, and they are 100% 180-degree videos. Oh, yeah. You turn around, it's just black. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And they're like, but it's a 360-degree – it's like –
0: no, you Is have to it? go all the way
3: around. Did yeah. you show him the, the, the Michelle Obama video? I'm
2: just I, like, I can't. Why do you think I was trying to watch YouTube VR, dude?
3: Relive the moment. I
2: was just like, be I, there again, uh, a million years ago, a little baby, Eli Patel, interviewed Michelle Obama at the White House with VR cameras. I was <laughs> so jealous of that. And video. we're just reliving it again. We're just reliving it like, well, a new frontier of immersive entertainment. I was like, no, I was with the first lady in a circle. You look all around. You could watch Oops. Trey Shallowhorn, our executive producer, being like, wrap it up, just like our current <laughs> producer is doing right now.
1: Six out of ten.
3: <laughs> it's great. Alex, what was your other one? But yeah, uh, my other my other lighting round is uh, so Amazon was gonna buy iRobot, the 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 Robovac company, and the EU said no, can't do that. Yeah. So so they pulled out the CEO of iRobot, Colin Engel, is is gone. 350 people are getting laid off. Oh, no. The company's like—and it sucks. And And Jin Tui, our incredible reviewer of everything Smart Home, wrote a really lovely piece this week just being like, they were doing it. They were doing all the cool stuff. And they're having to compete with companies like Eufy, who is owned by a bigger company. Like, all of the other big Robovacs are owned by companies in China with lots and lots of money behind them. And iRobot's out there being like, we're going to figure out robotics in the home all by ourselves with no money. But, yeah, so so it's kind of a bummer. It's it's unclear what's going to happen with iRobot because it seems like they really needed that acquisition for the influx of cash because in order to compete with their competitors, they either have to like make their already very expensive RoboVax more expensive or they have to not come, or, like, they need money.
2: Okay, so I'll say two things about this. One, the reasoning that iRobot and Amazon gave was – we see no pathway to approval in the EU, yes. which is now what everyone says. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know the EU's argument was Amazon sells these vacuums, they're going to buy this vacuum company and prioritize their own vacuums against other vacuums. You can feel how that, about that however you want. Amazon, just like every other company, is doing layoffs and cost cutting. Mm-hmm. And Dave Limp, the old head of hardware, is gone, and Panos Panay from Microsoft is in, and they're cutting that whole division down. There's a part of me that says blaming the Europeans is a very convenient excuse to not randomly buy a robotic vacuum company.
1: It's certainly possible.
2: For a smart yeah. home strategy that has not panned out for Amazon.
3: Yeah. Like, it doesn't... Their their strategy just doesn't make sense.
2: So, I'm just saying, like... Yeah. It's great to blame the EU, and I encourage you to blame the Europeans at any given time. <laughs>
1: the EU culture is so broken, they have no apps. Just putting that out there. Well, there's also... <laughs> there, there's a weird thing happening where, like, the Roomba was a genuinely, like, groundbreaking thing. iRobot has made a lot of really good products for a really long time. That thing, to your point, Alex, is becoming completely commoditized, right? Like, you can get a pretty good... It's not as good as the best Roomba, but a pretty good robot vacuum for, like, less than $200 now. Uh, These things are getting cheap really fast. Uh, And then the other thing was, iRobot's whole idea was, like, we are... Based on the knowledge that we're getting and the understanding that we have of your home, literally because we have a thing that's in there mapping where your chairs are, we're going to be able to understand your home in a uniquely powerful way. And we're going to be able to do things with it. Like, remember when this got announced and all of a sudden everybody was panicked about Amazon (laughs) having the literal floor map of my house? Like, that's a real thing. But there's also a ton that a company like Amazon with its resources can do with that. If, like Neil is saying, you believe that Alexa and robots and ring and all that stuff, like you can see how it all comes together, but it seems increasingly clear that Amazon has just decided that's not a winning yeah. strategy for Amazon. Well, we have not heard a word from Pan Espinay yet. Yep.
2: He's got oh, right. he's not a, a retiring man, you know, he's no. a very aggressive personality, he wants to win. I'm dying to hear what his vision for all this is. We know what Dave Lim's vision was. He has been on Decoder. We've talked to him lots and lots. But it, he never actually brought Ring and Alexa and all this other stuff together in a cohesive way. Right. They're very separate ecosystems. One of my favorite things with Amazon is they run Ring and Blink, two different home security camera systems that don't talk to each other.
3: It's such a mess.
2: It's just utterly bizarre to me. Um, talk about QVC. The Blink QVC commercials are incredible. So good. If you ever watch one, it's just like – These cameras just run on
3: batteries. It's like, what is happening here? I think you have a beautiful future as a QVC host. I
2: would do so well. I can speak directly to the American psyche. By the way, the Europeans have one app. It's called Spotify. Apple hates it. That's what I got for you.
3: Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, by the way, the other thing I want to say, uh, I feel very badly for the people who are going to lose their jobs. Yeah. And I, I hear an argument out in the world that's like, if you don't allow these exits, all these people lose their jobs. I will just remind everyone that what happens when big companies buy smaller companies is that they lay everyone off and the companies fail and they go away anyway. Yep.
3: Yeah. I, it's It's one of those things where I don't know. Like, it seems like iRobot was always kind of, like, not doing great. Yeah. This was probably always going to happen, regardless of who bought them. And now it's just like, well, we don't have to hide. We can't hide behind that anymore. We're laying these people off. The CEO yeah. is leaving. It, and if like,
2: Amazon had bought this company six months from now. They would have laid off 300 people. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Bro- Discovery bought Warner Brothers. They just, just get, keep getting rid of them. Yep. Uh, uh, Mergers are bad is my general argument that I will keep making. The Europeans have it right there. They're good at that. But I do think there's a little bit of a little bit of
1: opportunistic un- undoing of this uh, I, deal.
3: I, like, that's a, that's a good theory. I, I like that theory. Yeah.
1: All right, David, what's yours? Uh, there's so many I want to talk about, but I will avoid talking about top-level domains uh, for one <laughs> that day. That was going to be mine. <laughs> okay, oh, you can it's have so that cool. I'll talk about uh, Snap, which I think today, Thursday, uh, announced that it is recalling and refunding every single Pixie drone that it sold because of a problem with the batteries. Ooh. Um, and... I just want to sort of briefly mourn Snap interesting hardware company, which I believe is dead. <laughs>
3: there was just one drone, right?
1: Yeah, it was called the Pixie. It was like, we had a, we had a great video about it. Alex Heath made a really cool thing in like a yeah, I remember carnival like looking building. His joy as oh. it like
3: flew out of his hand. It's
1: delightful. And it's such a cool idea. It's like it, it was essentially like autonomous little yellow drone that could land in your hand and fly around and take pictures of you. And like it makes perfect sense for what Snap is trying to do snap also sort of relentlessly trying to make spectacles a thing but has been very quiet about that for a while now uh i just there was a there was a minute that's not true there were a lot of minutes where i believed snap was like a sneaky company that was going to win in a lot of really big ways uh and i am mourning the end of that thesis a little more every single day Uh, yeah but rip the pixie uh which flew apparently too high and too hot and too fast, <laughs> <laughs> and its batteries exploded. And its batteries exploded. It's
2: amazing that Instagram and Meta got there faster with the Ray Bans than Snap did with the spectacles. Well, I yeah. think
3: money had something to do with that.
2: I'm right. sure money had something to do with it, but that people were lining up for those spectacles. Like Snap yeah. was a big platform, and it never made the turn out of teens oh. messaging. Right. To whatever the next thing is like they invented the filters
3: yeah
1: i mean they do you remember do how the long the, the the joke went that evan spiegel was the chief product officer at facebook in addition to being the yeah. ceo at snap like it was true for a long time
2: and it turns out the product he needed to invent was advertising revenue <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: that uh-huh. is still much better at that than, uh-huh. than evan spiegel yeah all right mine is top level domain. Yeah, bloody Yeah. I'm so excited about this story, especially <laughs> because it's such a bad top level domain. It's it's not great if you know anything about the internet. So, if you are a huge nerd like me or Crans, yeah. You have a lot of local Not David. David's not, not nerdy yeah. enough. Absolutely. You know, there's one thing I know is that Crans and I are navigating to more local devices on our network than David can even contemplate. That's David's out there being like, "This Pixie drone's amazing." <laughs>
1: right I'm outside you know driving cool cars and picking up chicks yeah. and you guys are just like 192.168 let's go so if you, have,
2: if you have configured a router if you like me have a little raspberry Pi tamagotchi doing a home bridge yeah. situation if you're like Crans and you want a, a questionably legal black mm-hmm. server it's legal for the local community uh, I still don't have the password I'm just saying <laughs> Uh, If you're like Kranz and you've been ripping Blu-rays to your Plex server. (laughs) Over a decade. Very (laughs) legally. You know. Um, You got to type 192.168.whatever to get to your... right, And sometimes you can fudge it with a .local domain. There's all this stuff you can do. And sometimes it doesn't work. So ICANN, the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. Incredible name for this organization that we do not talk about enough.
1: Did not know that's what that stood for. That
2: this company... It's a, it's, a, it's a long story, but it's just amazing they, like, got themselves to ICANN, you know? They just reverse-engineered the acronym. The Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers has proposed a new top-level domain for devices on your network. So instead of typing 192.168, you will type whatever .internal. internal.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Hard pass.
2: Not too uh, bad. The, <laughs> the other choice... My friends Mm-mm. was dot private. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they should have put a pearl plural um, on there.
2: Uh they they ultimately chose dot internal as it found quote dot private may carry the unintended imputation of privacy. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> man. Yeah. I'm just saying dot local was sitting right there. <laughs> And they went with dot stuff. internal.
3: <laughs> Get out. Like
2: my homebridge is homebridge.local. You can't. I'm happy to tell it to you because if you try to go to it, you'll go to your homebridge. This works. <laughs> I'm so but excited to and hack. That's like a hack. Guys. That's like a that's like a bonjour hack or whatever. Yeah. This is like a different, like an actual top level domain that will mean this thing on the internet. And they went with dot internal <laughs> because dot private.
3: Yeah, it's too much.
2: The implication would is privacy not the other thing
3: I think we found that actually we're not the nerdiest people it's I can
2: anyway there it's not done yet it's not happening you can go to the I website and leave comments please behave yourselves wink wink <laughs> it's ridiculous I love it I lo- I like I like that people have so much stuff on their own networks that this is a thing that we, just, like, people used to insist that no one would ever have anything on their own network.
1: You know what else you could have done as the TLD it's .dot network. What what a what a crazy idea that would have been. Yeah, my stuff. My, my stuff, stuff. I think is the one. My yeah. dot stuff. <laughs> my dot stuff. Yeah. Be, behind firewall. David's stuff. Firewall. Dot no girls allowed. <laughs> that's my that's my local network.
2: It's very good. Someone's going to write in and correct me on how .local actually works, but I know it's not an official TLD. That's why I'm saying
1: it. I will say in the abstract, I love the idea of having a name for your local stuff instead of all of the IP address nonsense.
3: I memorized all of those IP addresses yeah. so that long feels ago. feels like a you problem. I don't want to have to go back and redo that. <laughs> I need to know where my, my doorbell is at all times.
2: I'm sorry. Here's how .local works. .local is a special use domain name reserved by the Internet Engineering Task Force, the IETF. The rivals to ICANN. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're rivals. Sharks and jets, baby. I think they should fight. And it is not allowed to be a top-level domain. Oh. It has been reserved by the IETF. And if ICANN comes and takes it... <laughs> That's a task force, baby. All right, that's that's. I I'm sorry. It's been a
3: very cinnamon long toast week for me. crunch. in I'm, the house. I'm
2: look. I love you all. Thank you for listening to the Vergecast or watching it. I'm sure you have
1: some complaints to leave in the comments. Just do it. Just engage. Come back and engage again tomorrow. And next time you're in a meeting, if there's just two of you there, and then a third person joins, just say that's a task force, baby. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, but you knew what you were getting. Uh, That's it. That's the Vergecast.
1: (laughs) And that's it for the Vergecast this week. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 866-VERGE-11. The Vergecast is a production of the Verge and Vox Media Podcast Network. Our show is produced by Andrew Marino and Liam James. That's it. We'll see you next week.